I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's Pete Trubis, the world's okayest starting strength coach, coming to you with all the events that we have coming up. Seminars, October 15th through the 17th is next one up in Wichita Falls, then December 10th through the 12th, and then the first seminar of 2022 will be February 4th through the 6th. Training camp's coming up September 11th. We have a self-sufficient lifter camp covering the squat, press, deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to pick apart your own technique. That's in Wichita Falls. Then the Seoul Brothers in Seoul, South Korea have two camps both on December 5th, starting off with a squat camp, and then later that afternoon, a deadlift and power clean camp. And when you sign up for both those, you get $40 off. For squat and deadlift camps on the list, next one up, August 29th in Austin at Starting Strength Austin, and then in Costa Mesa at the Strength Co. on October 9th with none other than Captain Grant Brogy. For three lift camps, we do have some spots left for September 5th in London. September 12th in London is sold out. After that, we'll be in Baltimore 5x3 on November 7th for a squat press and deadlift camp. Then also in Baltimore on September 12th, there is the 10th annual Charm City Strong Woman Contest. That is a charity event to raise money for folks undergoing cancer treatment. And then finally, starting training gyms continue to add cities to the list, but we do need coaches. So if you're interested in becoming a professional coach, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com and check out the coaching tab to figure out how to get involved. Starting Training Gyms, of course, run by Ray Gillenwater, and Gillenwater is the French-Canadian translation for an androgynous beaver. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. This is uh, our regular Friday podcast because, uh, frankly, we don't have anything else to do. And uh, we, you know, do this on Friday just out of boredom. So, uh, you know, if you benefit somehow from the discussion we're going to have today, that's fine. If you don't, we don't care. We had fun. Every time we turn on a recording device, we have a good time. You know why? Because we're narcissists. That's why. All right. With us today is uh, our friend John Musser, who is not a narcissist. And uh, we are going to have a little fun discussion uh, to continue our movie series about Western movies. John, thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Rip. I appreciate it. John and I talk about movies all the time. We're both real stupid. And we're one of these people that watch a movie every night. You know, because I just like watching movies. I, you know, I watch movies from all, all kinds of genres and stuff. I don't watch, now, I don't watch prison movies. I watch movies. Here's the, in a nutshell, these are the movies I watch. I watch movies that make me want to be there instead of here. All right. And Those I, are my I criteria. I didn't like Bad Lieutenant. When I, when I recommended Bad Lieutenant right. and you didn't like it, yeah, nobody I wants to be there. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch Bad Lieutenant. It's uh, 
is Harvey Keitel, right? Uh, I got about 20 minutes into that, and I said, I can't, this is not entertaining. Jesus Christ. It's not fun. It's not any fun at all. I watch a movie just to prove I can. God damn. That's like, that's like drinking a real, real, real hoppy IPA at 225 IBU. No. I don't want to be challenged by my beer. I just want to enjoy like, the fucking shit, you know. Like this bourbon tastes like shit. Have some. Yeah, here. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of bottles of that laying around. So uh, you're saying that you would like to have been on the Nostromo? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to be in outer space. It's pretty badass. Well, I mean, as opposed to what being on Kemp Street. It's a little safer on Kemp Street than on the Nostromo. Hey, safety's overrated, man. It is. That's why we I mean, don't wear masks. Have we not learned anything over the past year and a half? That's why we haven't vaccinated ourselves. That's right. And aren't going to. Because, uh, well, no, that's too complicated to discuss. All right. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about Western movies. Now, Western movies are a, a deal that, that uh, John and I have discussed off and on over the years we've known each other and uh uh the reason we've got john on here is because john is a extremely bright guy john likes movies and john has a background in personal protection and as a result he's worked for people whose names you know and uh been on a lot of movie sets during the production of films uh, that were starring people that he has worked for. He's got an appreciation of direction and production and photography and lights and script writing and all of the things that uh, add up to uh, make a good movie. And he understands the, the variables and he understands the, the, uh, the thing from inside out. And I thought he had a, an extremely valuable perspective on this. So I've asked him to to be here and i appreciate his time today uh john we're when when we came up with our little list of movies that we're going to talk about today we what we wanted all of you people in the audience to understand is that the the five movies that we're going to discuss specifically are not what we claim to be the best westerns okay because that is always debatable all right Stagecoach, for example, is, is not on here, right? Yeah, they're not the most historically accurate. They're not the most. They're not the most anything. They are what we enjoy watching. Right. That, that's it. Yeah. That and that's all. And I, you know, watched part of Stagecoach after someone on the board said it's the best western ever made. And I, you know, my only comment about that would be that you haven't watched any western since 1939. <laughs> There's a lot better westerns made than Stagecoach. Uh, you know, uh, stuff I like. I don't like um, really old westerns. Now, old movies, there are a lot of good old movies, but I'm not a big fan of old westerns because of, uh, oh, I guess the, you know, I was in the horse business for a long time and I, when when things look stupid to me that are happening in a western movie i immediately notice it and it it uh, degrades the experience 
for example, we talked about Shane. John and I talked about this last night. Shane's a great movie, but I'm not interested in watching it again. So the so the, some of the things when we touch on the movies that we're going to talk about, if when you watch a new movie now, often what it will remind you of, I think, reminds me of, I should say, is that they took what they did originally in something like Shane, and then they did it better. They did right. it with better film stock. They did it better with direction. They did it better lighting. They did it better all that. So so when I watch a movie now, it will have elements that remind me of these old movies. But they're simply done a little bit better now. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. A little cleaner dialogue. And you know? and our uh, pick for that set of criteria is Silverado. Yes. Silverado is uh, at a very enjoyable movie. I mean, it's one of my favorite films of all time. It's just fun. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, uh, had a bunch of A-list actors in it. This Costner's best role, as far as I'm concerned. So Silverado took all the elements of the old westerns that you really liked, and they did it in a uh, a fun way that you enjoyed. They had the hokey things of the old westerns that they still had. They had the gunplay. They had the, uh, a certain degree of humor. What made it work for me is that the even though the people knew what they were shooting, they knew the type of movie they were making. They took it seriously. So every role was taken seriously. Yes. Even though it might have been uh, not approaching camp, but not as serious. So the same year that Silverado came out, uh, what was it came out? Was a Pale Rider came out. Pale Rider, right. Pale Rider. So you got two completely different. Completely movies. different takes on the same genre. The same genre. And, right. Uh, and it... Uh, I just find Silverado to be one of those movies that no matter what you got going on, you can click on it and you're fine. You know, right. Jake fell off his horse, right? That, that Jake, sort of fell off, Jake fell yeah. off his horse? Right, right. So they tell you something like that, and you're, <laughs> you're included in the joke. They, right. They've included you in the joke, right. and everybody's in on the joke. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great. And there's some, just such good lines in that. John Cleese is in it, and... Tia Leone is in it. Beautiful Tia Leone. And, and, the guy uh, shows up, right? The fly guy shows up. What's his name? He was in the fly. Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum is up. the is the gambler, boyfriend, criminal piece yeah. of shit, right? Everybody that's watching the movie says, well, this guy's obviously a bad guy. Why, why doesn't anybody treat him like a bad guy? Everybody right. knows he's a bad guy. <laughs> Everybody can smell, <laughs> can smell the duplicity on the guy. He did a great job with that role. And, uh, and Danny Glover... Yeah. Uh, who perhaps had the best line <laughs> I have ever heard in a, in, a, in a movie. Now, I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. <laughs> now that's, Somebody fed him that line. Oh, he my God. That, that, is oh my so, God thank you. that is so beautiful, God almighty. Oh, all man. the people you could have fed that line to, all these actors you could have fed that line to, you gave it to me. I owe you for that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> somebody. Yeah, Glover owes Kasdan <laughs> for the rest of his career. He really does. <laughs> Large Kasdan made that movie back in the eight. Was that eighty five? Was it? I would think so. Is that I, what I'd we, have to Google we, it, but I'm, it, we're close to it. I'm sure. Yeah, I think, I think it's eighty five. Pale Rider and. Uh, Silverado were both made in 85, and they shot that movie on location in the winter in New Mexico. All that snow on the ground was snow on the ground. The, yes. From what I understand, the shoot was hard. It was physically challenging. 
Most of those guys did their own stunts. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's on their own horses. Kevin yes. Klein rides better than I thought he would. Yep. Uh, you know, Costner is a is he's good. Costner's a good athlete. Yeah. He's he's good horseback. A lot of these people are are just highly competent people. Now if you if they, you haven't seen Silverado, stop just stop watching this podcast right now. Put it on so pause. You, you come see, back to it and, and go watch Silverado. So if you haven't seen Silverado and you like movies and you want to see all of what a Western can be and still be fun before it, like they deconstructed the Western a little bit in the 70s, right? With spaghetti Westerns and mm-hmm. stuff. They deconstructed those Westerns a bit. And then this was a return to a classic Western, except done a little more lighthearted, a little more fun. But they brought back all of those memories of all the old movies. Right. It was a return to form for the West. Right. And the costumes were better. The photography was better. The scenery was better. Everything about it was yeah. uh, was was a it was a modern film based on classic uh, themes. And you and you watch these movies, and I've got to be careful because I don't want my own filters to put something in there that's not there, right? I don't want to see something in the script or see something in the scene that's there because I want it to be there and not there because it was put there. So, but you watch that movie and you see Costner, and you see a guy that's sort of play acting at being a lighthearted kid. You see a guy that right. really enjoys enjoys shooting people. You know, yeah. he really enjoys that. <laughs> he enjoys that that. So you'll see little scenes of that, and then you say, well, am I just making that up to make it more interesting or not, you know? Right. Well, no, you're not, because I've noticed the same thing. Costner's role in that, a lot of people have have called him wooden, you know, kind of deliberate and plotting and, uh, you know, the way he reads his lines and stuff, or sometimes uninteresting and stuff. Uh, and we'll get into that with our discussion of Wyatt Earp, but in Silverado, he he was obviously having fun in that oh, role, shit, shit. and and that always comes across on camera. If you're having, if you as an actor are enjoying playing the role, and wasn't that the one where they kept referring to him as the star, the future star? They kept making that reference. I think I've read that before in a constant I, interview. I haven't, but it wouldn't surprise me because it yeah. was it was such a standout role for him. I think that might right. have been his first major picture. First I don't time. I don't know. But he pulled it off. I mean he really did pull it off. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in anything prior to that, but him getting on and off of that paint horse, uh and uh, you know, really doing stuff that trick riders do he's mm-hmm. he was he's he's good at that he's a very physical actor and i yeah. you know he was probably in his early 30s at the time or late 20s yeah and like uh, that. Cool. just uh you know i did a magnificent job on that film uh, uh he's uh uh you know regarded as i haven't seen um you know i haven't seen dances with wolves in a long time uh I, I, uh, I haven't I'm, either. I'm I mean, it's a decent film, but there's just something about it that pisses me off, and I can't even tell you what it is. I'm not sure. I'd have to revisit that one. Uh, I haven't seen that in a long time. I think maybe. I'm not sure. Like the movie, the western that 
we talked about the other day, the bite the bullet. Right. Sometimes a title of a movie will make me not want to watch it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And right. I just won't watch it because of that for no other reason than that. But, um, yeah, bite the bullet was one of those things. I'd never even heard of the damn thing, you know, except maybe in a passing reference. And you mentioned it, and I watched it, and I thought it was a thought it was an excellent movie in terms of the, especially in terms of the horsemanship that uh, the cast displayed in uh, in filming the the movie. It was just it, they everybody uh, could ride. You know, yeah, they were all they were all superb. And the guy, but Kasdan is your buddy, Kasdan, right? Yeah. Uh, so not your buddy, but the the, the director you right. refer to. He Mark, was associated yeah. with that movie. He was associated with Silverado. He was associated with The Professionals, one of the absolute most entertaining uh, movies of all time. The Professionals, right? The gunplay, right. the gun, and all that stuff. Uh, so he was associated with all of those things. Well, he's uh, he's got his western chops. He understands how yeah. to use locations, yeah. and uh, he really makes a well to 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 continue in that same theme. Uh, Wyatt Earp was his film. Wyatt Earp is a big epic, and it's on our it's on our top five list, along with its companion film Tombstone. Now, Wyatt Earp was a Kasdan film as well. Ed Costner was in it, and a whole bunch of whole bunch of people, more modern type actors. Uh, uh, Michael Madsen was in it, and uh, Dennis Quaid, and Isabella Rossellini, and you know, Jane she Hackman, and on and on and on. Yeah. Right, and uh, I was I was surprised at how good a a horseman. Gene Hackman sits a saddle now. You know, I well, mean that that guy in in Bite the Bullet, man, he's he sits a saddle, and so does Candace Bergen. Yeah, they, she uh, was she would rode a whole lot in Wind the Wind of the Lion. If you'll remember that, mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. horseback in that movie quite a bit, and she's right. she's competent horseman. And uh, but in in Wyatt Earp. Uh, it's a big, long movie, and it's got a whole bunch of people in it, and it it carefully tells the story of the the Earp brothers and the OK Corral. And just for corroboration, I just got through reading a book by Tom Clavin called Dodge City, the wickedest city in the West, or something like that. And it, it this guy is a historian, or at least a history writer, and he has done painstaking research on all of the events that led up to the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral. Talks at length about the Earp's personalities and and a whole bunch of stuff I'd never read before. And while I was reading that book, I was constantly reminded of the detail in the script about all of this stuff uh, about Wyatt Earp. And apparently these people were, all of that was recorded. You know, who would have thought, you know, that. So uh, the, 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 um, the, inter, the, the political situations would cause so much of it to be recorded, right? Mm-hmm. That the political, the, the money, the, the finances involved uh, during the, the lead up to the OK Corral. It was all the, 
all the money that was involved, all the money that's changing hand, all the right. political influence that's going on. So people are tracking that stuff. Right. When it when it comes to the movie, I, um, you and I, we don't always agree on movies. That's for sure. Uh, I am I am more leaning towards Tombstone than I am Wyatt Earp. I look at Wyatt Earp, and I see the detail, and like Kasdan's genius at detail, right? And mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate when a when a movie shows a character competent at the things that that character would be able to do. When you look at Jeremy Renner in that movie where he was in, uh, where he was uh, on the Indian reservation, Wind uh, River. Wind River. You look at Jeremy Renner and Wind River, and you see a competent guy right off the bat. Yeah. You see a guy that knows what he's up to. Right. You what you you watch Kasdan's bite the bullet, and you can see those competent guys. The way they handle the horses, the way they, yeah. they feed the horses first and water the horses, they do everything right. So I can watch wider, and I can appreciate the acting and the script writing. Mm-hmm find it a little bit more indulgent i don't find it as strictly entertaining as i do um uh, tombstone i think if if they would have came out differently but because they came out so close to each other you have to compare them right right you have to compare those two movies together so uh i enjoyed tombstone more i felt that yeah, and a lot it. of people do you know in yeah. uh, uh to be perfectly honest i've heard that from a whole bunch of folks and uh I think that uh, I just like the the better attention to the historical detail leading up to the to the events at the OK Corral in in Wyatt But this sure. is an interesting thing. If you look at both of those movies, the the five minutes that precede the actual gunfight at the OK Corral. Mm-hmm. That had that all of that stuff had to have been witnessed by lots and lots of people because both of those movies show exactly the same sequence of events from different camera angles with different actors, but it's the same thing, right? So, Virgil so, walks up and hands Doc Holliday the shotgun. Both of those movies are specific about about. So that. what we what we look yeah. at is we say, all right, is that because so many people saw it? And the witnesses have related that over the years, and yeah. now we've got that historically accurate. Or is that because somebody told the story, and then it spread? Right, it and just then keeps getting repeated. Yeah, can't I, get repeated. You know, so I don't, don't know. What do you think? Do you think I think the newspaper guys at the time were writing all of this shit down? Because I don't, the I don't audiences know. back east were extremely interested in what went on in the West. There was a huge market for these stories. And a whole yes. industry developed, and that that is that is attested to by the fact that that theme keeps coming up in in all kinds of all kinds of films, uh, like Unforgiven, like we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it could very well be that five or six people just sat there and wrote down exactly it what could, they saw. It could be that could it could be that simple, and sometimes the simple answer is the right answer, right? Yeah. Uh, we don't know that. I think that the way they deliver the story, to me, the way they delivered the story, and the uh, the striving for accuracy, uh, I, they're both exceptionally entertaining. I find uh, Tombstone to be more entertaining because they play with the tension and drama more. They bring right. the drama up, and they play with it a little bit more. Uh, I don't like to say anything's a, like. Uh, White Earp's an excellent movie, so you you can't. It's not saying something bad about it, but I don't like to say anything bad about any movie because I know how much damn work goes involved, and even a bad movie. 
right. know how many people got to be there. All those people got to be fed. You got to get them there. You got to give them a place to sleep. They got to act. They got to be out all the, the logistics and the whole all the logistics the whole thing. and stuff. So even to make a bad movie, I won't say it's a. I don't like to say bad movie because I just know how much damn work was involved. Right. You know? But um, right, and you so know, in, in 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 Tombstone, you've got uh, you got actors that are. Uh, you know, perhaps more recognizable in a in a Western role. You've got Kurt Russell. You've got Sam Elliott. You know, you've got. I, I, uh, who, I, the, isn't isn't that the one that Billy Bob Thornton is in? Who's playing the <clears throat> the bully running a card game in the saloon? That is. That's I don't a, know that. <clears throat> I think that would be before his time. I might be mistaken. I would have to check. I don't recall. No, that. I think that I think that was him in that movie. I think that was him in Tombstone. I'm not sure. Uh, you remember that, Nick? No, let me look though. Yeah, I think he was in that. That was a that was a one of my favorite scenes in Tombstone is the way that the way they handled uh, the way they handled that confrontation. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp. Oh, <clears throat> just beats the rat shit out of this guy who is right. is the bully at the card table you remember this my, oh my God. He, he, call, he slaps him in the face and just humiliates the piss out of him my favorite scene in in um, Wyatt Earp was when he hit that guy with a cue ball or hit that guy with a pool ball Lord Costner hit yeah cue ball hit yeah. him right in the chest <laughs> or the throat <laughs> In in front of God and everybody in this crowded saloon, and it, yeah, it was that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. But uh, anyway, uh, so Tombstone and Wyatt Earp are kind of yeah. I've I've had conversations with people about that for years and years. Which one you like best? And I see an argument for for both, but. Uh, from the enjoy the movie standpoint, I see why Tombstone would appeal to a lot of people. From uh, enjoying the history and the accuracy and the depth of the of the character development, I, Wyatt Earp's just my favorite of the two by far. And also, depending on where you're at in life, you might depend on what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. You may enjoy one more movie more than another in different times in your life. Yeah. So that I mean that's that's part of what makes it um, that's part of what makes the appeal individual, right? Sure, sure. It's a, you're always going to filter what you see through your own experience. Sure. Whether you're watching a movie or coaching the squat, you it's just you know it's the way your brain works. So uh, sure, sure. It's uh, uh, you know I, it, Wyatt Earp is always uh, I saw that at the at the theater when that thing first came out and uh i was really i guess i was most impressed by the expansiveness of the of the film yes it's an ep- it's epic it, it's they're, an they're epic making, you yes, know view yes. of the man's life from yes. childhood through through old age and uh yep. and i i really liked uh the gal who played josie in wyatt Earp much better than Dana Delaney, who played Josie in Tombstone. Right. Uh, yeah, the um, I think that the uh, Big Nose Kate character was much better in uh, Wyatt Earp. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. She she sold that she sold that scene when he was when he abused her. And, uh, she was, she's gonna <laughs> shoot she's gonna kill him in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, she sold that scene. Shoots completely. a hole through the door and almost shoots Wyatt and Yeah, that was every domestic that anybody's ever been to in their life that was right. that right there. Kate it's Wyatt. I'm coming in. Don't shoot me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, she goes in her nose all bloody and everything. Isabella Rossellini is just... I, that is one of the most beautiful women that's ever lived, as far as I'm concerned. She's She stunning. was a stunning, stunning beauty. She's at least as beautiful as her mother, Ingrid Bergman, who was one of the most beautiful women that ever lived. Ah. So I, I have something to leave you with before we move to the next movie. I talked to a buddy of mine, and he's a, he's a very uh, – he does a lot of movie reviews and stuff, mostly mm -hmm. uh, genre stuff. And he said that when I asked him which one he liked better between um, Wyatt Earp and Tombstone – he said that he believed he would have liked to have seen the cast from Tombstone with the script from Wyatt Earp. That's an interesting observation. That's an interesting I observation. What. I don't, but I, and I would agree with that, with the exception of uh, Val Kilmer and Dennis Quaid playing Doc Holliday. I think Dennis Quaid's portrayal of Doc Holliday was a, an astonishing piece of character acting. That yeah, I've never seen equal. The guy was, man, yeah. it, it, a consumptive little skinny, yeah, criminal well, crazy so person. I, you can't do that better than Quaid did Doc Holliday. But I, I don't. Val Kilmer's role, he bought into it so hard. Yeah. He sold it so hard. He, I mean, he completely committed to that. It was yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and, did, and Quaid did too. You know? Quaid did too. Lost Quaid, Quaid was running like eight miles a day to get skinny and on a hard diet. And I mean, that's, you know. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he got his body weight down to like 135 for that thing. You know, his clothes just hanging off of him like a like a yeah. clothes hanger. And, uh, you know, was in a bad mood all the fucking time. It's <laughs> <And> just <laughs> real convincing. You know, as a, as a dying man would be, you know. Yes, yes. Oh, God. That, yeah, that's just. Uh, so if you haven't seen, once again, to the audience, if you haven't seen either one of these films, uh, my suggestion would be watch Wyatt Earp first, then watch Tombstone. John's suggestion would be watch Tombstone, then Wyatt Earp. But both of them are very important in the genre of the western film and and you if you if if you don't like westerns well don't watch either one of them but if you like westerns and you haven't seen the damn things you owe it to yourself to watch both of those films now uh i watched uh Oh, I, it's actually, it's been a while since I've watched Unforgiven. All right, Unforgiven is arguably, I, I have heard people make a credible argument for this being the best Western that's ever been filmed. And uh, I think it's hard to say that because sure. of the uh, breadth of the genre. But... Um, I mean, when, when Clint Eastwood directs a film, um, it, 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 it's, it ends up being a different product 
than what everybody else turns out. So, so I'm not a film major, for God's sake. So, this is my perception. So, he, his filmmaking style is a very relaxed set. He does not like long hours. He films things uh, very quickly. He does them in one take or two takes. He doesn't beat beat his actors up like that. Right. With with Unforgiven, what I read with Unforgiven is he got the script when he was very young. He optioned the script when he was very young, and he held on to it long enough until he was old enough to play the role. And in that time, he he <laughs> imagined everything. Yeah. He, he just held on to it. And in that amount of time, he imagined every every scene. So when it got to a scene, he'd already worked out. He'd already blocked the whole damn thing. He'd, yeah. he'd already blocked it out. From my, my perspective, right? He'd already blocked out the whole thing. He already knew that he didn't want any any vehicles driving in on the set so there wouldn't be any tire lines. He didn't want any of the, the women wearing makeup. He didn't want any of this stuff. He'd already blocked out that whole that whole uh, everything, every, every little detail was already in his head. Mm -hmm. So when it came time to do it, he just delivered upon it. Right. Is the way I viewed it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Unforgiven won Academy Award for Best Picture in 1992. Now, it's, it's a few and far between Western movie that wins Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Sure, sure. This thing was, this thing was an amazing film. It, I, God, it's just, you know, there's just nothing sure. that compares to it in terms of the script and the and the story and the whole damn thing. It was just an amazing, amazing yeah. role for, for, for Clint Eastwood to play William Money and uh, this old retired gunfighter who is trying to do the right thing. And he married and had a kid. And he's trying to run this little hard scrabble farm out in the middle of the prairie and the, you know he's got pig shit all over him all the time and he's you know his kids are just not you know like their mother's dead and he's trying his best and then somebody comes up to him and offers him uh, a bunch of money to go do a job on what he has heard is a you know somebody needs killing real bad so so he's a he is a psychopath and he is pretending in this other skin he's pretending to be a hard-working father he's pretending right. to be all these things but he's just pretending because because he at his heart he is this he is this killer of women and children and everything else that's ever walked or crawled right that's what he said right, right? women and children and everything else ever walked and crawled right so that that's that's who he is and he's pretending that, that, that's to be somebody. an interesting piece of complexity isn't it you know, yes, that, that yes, hadn't occurred to me before, but you're absolutely right. He is pretending to be a farmer. Yes. All those things are pretense. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. And and he's he's trying very hard. And according to the end of the movie, don't spoiler alert. If anybody hasn't watched Unforgiven, I can't believe anybody's never watched. No, Unforgiven everybody's watched Unforgiven. He, but, you know, but he he he's able to pull it off. Right. Right. He goes back. Yeah, he goes back, goes back so, and plays the role in, in a, another place and, and yeah. settles back down and, you know. But when he is uh, <clears throat> giving himself permission to drink, there is, you know, he's an extremely effective killer. Now, that scene at the bar when yes. he was pouring a drink and he's so still, so completely still, 
when he's pouring that drink, the 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 danger and the ominous just is radiating off of him. Right. It's it's almost like it's it's a it's a thing, and it it yeah. takes a lot. It takes a lot to pull that off, right? On a on a screen, it takes a lot to pull that off. Yeah, where you could just read the emotion and the well, and you know, and there were a bunch of a bunch of people in that film that were that did such an excellent job. Gene Hackman, you know, is the sheriff, Bill, and uh, he was uh, he was a mean guy, but he was mean in the in the in the execution of his job. Yes. You know, yes, he was, and you bet. And if you measure him against the measure of his time and what he was trying to accomplish, what was it necessary, makes his, makes his character complex, right? He's yeah. a terrible carpenter and, a, yeah. and an effective sheriff, <laughs> right? And right. then, and Richard Harris shows up as British uh, Bob, English Bob, they uh, call English, English Bob. Bob. Oh. <clears throat> You knew things bad were going to happen to that guy. You oh God that. Almighty! That was a beating. Yeah, man, that was a. I just God Almighty, see him. Little Bill riding away. Little, little Bill. Uh, in the, in the train after he's had the shit beat out of him. My God, can you watch that? Not just. Oh, gee. oh it's, <laughs> just, oh, it's awful. Never, and the never from a beating like that right you just view that if you put yourself in the story and you know you you just view that as he's never going to recover from that no. his health will never be the same he no. will never mentally psychologically no, they, they, uh, re reputation wise he will never be the same he's they, done they all but killed him and they probably should have yeah probably should have finished him off right probably should have he would have been better off dead but they, that's, so, but bill didn't want him dead <laughs> no did not it's a better yeah. message delivered if he wasn't dead he didn't want him dead and uh he wanted to send him off as a warning to anybody else that came to that town to try to do the things he he had tried sure. to do and the girls in the whorehouse uh were uh that's an interesting glimpse into the into the culture of that time oh jesus christ and uh it was uh it's like it's like watching the movie the witch right it's like Every anything's got to be better than being on this hard scrabble farm trying to dig out a living. Anything's got to be better than that. In the movie The Witch, when that little girl went and joined the, the mm -hmm. witch's coven, right? Right. She her position is anything's got to be better than this. Right. Whatever the hell's waiting, this has got to be better. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, they were. Uh, I, the the again, Eastwood puts together a movie, and he's as good at photography and and. Uh, choosing his his scenery and his sets as, as Kasdan is they're both yes. masters at that and uh eastwood would look through the viewfinder on the camera or he would walk along with the camera and very seldom did he as i've as my understanding very seldom would he set in what they call video village where they set up all the little feeds and stuff and everybody mm -hmm. sets underneath it little tent very seldom right. he just in, in that, looking at it through monitors instead of yes yes you know yeah so he he very seldom would he as my understanding he'd said in that but uh very interesting uh interesting uh movie it hit hard right nobody was looking for a western right nobody wanted a western 
at the time, the Western was out of style. And yeah. uh, to Eastwood, Westerns are never out of style. That's where he no. honed his chops, you know. He, no. And uh, to write and direct that, it's just, I mean, yeah. you know, this is. And, you know, I like Outlaw Josie Wales. That's a damn good movie. Yes. Uh, the spaghetti yes. movies, Leone's spaghetti movies were were good, interesting. I don't watch them all the time. Uh, I don't even watch Josie Wales all the time. But Unforgiven is the is by far the best western Eastwood was ever involved in. And I need to watch I need to watch Josie Wales again on the big screen to see him do that the spin with the guns. I need to see that again. I need to watch him do that. Yeah. Where he goes to hand the guns to the guy, he's got his finger in a trigger guard, and he rolls them back in his hands. I've got yeah. to see that one. Yeah, he's he practiced on that, didn't he? <laughs> he's, somebody's done that before, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Unforgiven, if you guys haven't seen Unforgiven, you don't like Westerns. Yeah, that's right. You're not, <clears throat> I mean, people that don't like Westerns like Unforgiven because yeah. it's just such a hell of a movie. Yes. And uh, Morgan Freeman was, was just perfect in that role too you know he uh right there at the end of his involvement with josie wales you could see that he knew that we had fucked up you mean in uh you mean in unforgiven yes in unforgiven I, i'm yeah 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 absolutely he, he 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 knew it was a bad idea from the start yeah he wasn't real comfortable with it and sally two trees his wife was certainly as yeah. hell not uncomfortable certainly as hell not comfortable with it but yeah they get and, over there and get toward the toward the town where they're going to do the job and you can see morgan freeman's character just get ned was his name you see ned getting a little bit yeah. more nervous a little yes. bit more apprehensive every every shot right. and then there you are you know it's uh yeah that was that was a, a great piece of progressive development of that character i thought it was oh yeah the uh it uh it had all the they teased you with the they teased you with the movie of the of the idea of the stranger coming back into town and mm -hmm. writing what's wrong Right. That was the tease, right? A traditional Western, but it right. wasn't that at all. No, right? it no, it was not. It was not yeah. Pale Rider. It was no, a it was completely different situation than Pale Rider. It's superficially, it may have started off that way, but it ended up in a completely different set of motivations. And it was uh, when he Pale kills Rider's Bill deserved. laying in the floor of the saloon. Yeah, deserve just, ain't got nothing to do with it. Deserve <laughs> got nothing to do with it. Got I don't nothing deserve to do it. with it. And he just takes aim right down the barrel of that shotgun from six feet away. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Are uh, you Are you sure? I haven't seen it in a while. Are you sure that's a a shotgun and not that Henry rifle? No, that sure was a shotgun. So, okay, All right. that was a shotgun. I have got to see it. Again. I have to <laughs> yeah. watch it. Again. No, that was a shotgun. It was a, it was a I've giant. Can you imagine the giant fucking mess? Oh God <laughs> Almighty! But it was, yeah, that was he. Bill was dead. 
Bill was done. Bill, Bill was, was done. dead after that. Now, and I mean, and, and that know. was a clean piece of yeah. acting when he's laying yeah. on the ground, right? Yeah, he's laying on the ground. You think he's dead? His eyes are open. You think he's dead, and all of a sudden he's not dead. He's still alive. Yeah, that was a pretty. That's a pretty remarkable bit of acting too. Well, what about <clears throat> when William Money goes out from the saloon after he's killed? After he's killed uh, Bill in the middle of a of a hairy ass thunderstorm, gets on his horse and rides out of town and then tells all those people, "Don't shoot at me! Don't I'll shoot at me! Anybody, any of you shoot at me, I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your family and I'm going to kill or your, your dog." Goddamn <laughs> And in the middle of this goddamn thunderstorm, he he pulls yes. this. It's just amazing. This whole damn thing is amazing. So uh, it's moving. Yeah, it's a unforgiven. That's our. You know, it, I, it's it's hard to it's hard to beat unforgiven for a western movie. That may be the best one. I don't yeah. know. Silverado, unforgiven. It's, we're not going to say best. That's why I get five of them. All right. That's right. That's right. And the next one we're going to talk about is uh, uh, are, are, are two uh, Sam Elliott vehicles. Uh, Conagher was uh, a movie that probably most of you have never seen. Conagher was. Uh, Sam was the executive producer on that movie and was in, intimately involved in changing that Louis L'Amour book into this into this fabulous western featuring this fabulous character that, that he plays. And uh, I've watched it 15 times. I'd have sure. to say it's my favorite western movie to watch. Over and so over the argument again. could be made that Conagher is not a Western, that Conagher is a romance in a Western setting. Mm-hmm. So Conagher, you're dealing with a completely different creature, right? You're dealing with almost a character study mm-hmm. with a Western at its at its core. It's a very interesting piece. Well, it's you like, have to it's buy like Firefly was a space Western. Right, right. You, know, you, have, to, just, you have to buy into, if, if for you to believe Conagher, if you define that, that that bouncing tumbleweed with a note in it for you to buy into all of that and pick that up. You have to really believe that Conagher is that character and Sam Elliott can pull that off. Right. Oh yeah. He can make you believe that that's who that guy is. Right. Everything he does, that's who he is. Well, that movie was, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I had a, a good friend that was in that movie as an extra. Yeah, good. He, he helped with the horses on that thing, and he was in the movie as an extra. And every time I watch it, I watch him walk across the street. And uh, pretty cool. He yeah. died several years ago of, of a melanoma, and uh, he was a good guy, Charlie Brown, good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. uh, I really, uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, every time I watch that, I get to see Charlie walk across the street again. He's he walks across the street as an extra, and he's in the bar in the background. So it's, you know, it means it means something to me at that level. But it's the just the portrayal of the character Con Conagher by Sam Elliott. I don't I don't know that you can become a character any more thoroughly than that as an actor. No, he you he, know he captured who that guy was, and plus you're dealing from a Louis L'Amour influenced script right mm-hmm. 
and 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 there's no better storyteller than Louis Lemoore, right? There might be better authors, might be better scriptwriters, might be better everything, but as far as a storyteller, it's going to be hard to beat Louis yeah. Lemoore. Yeah. And um, and he um, and Conagher, you know, teamed up with him on a couple different things, and uh, they obviously had a lot of fun making it. And he was very serious about that role. It it uh, if if I I very much enjoy it. I enjoy the acting. I enjoy all the sets. I enjoy all of that stuff. But it's all sold because you buy into Conagher who he is. Right. If you look at the amount of gunfights and the amount of violence and the amount of this, none of that adds up to a big rollicking western, right? No. None of that's Silverado. But but you buy into Conagher and who he is, and you buy into that to to the. the poor lady right the lady that's putting the notes in the tumbleweed you buy yeah. into her character sure you know? that was of course uh his wife uh right Catherine was ross it? and uh, oh, uh yeah that's they've been married for 40 years goodness gracious i, yeah, know, I didn't know if I, yeah that's yeah. yeah that's that's a interesting little little tidbit yeah. but they uh <coughs> But they they performed very well together in that in that film, and uh, she was convincing as the role of the the lost widow out in the middle of the middle of the junipers out there in southern Colorado. That thing was was filmed in in uh, either southern Colorado or northern New Mexico. The, the terrain is just so familiar to me. Uh, it's uh, uh, all of it was. Uh, was very convincing and then you know and they've got rainstorms and snowstorms and all this other shit in that movie and it was, it was just a it was really really good uh billy greenbush the famous old actor starts off in that thing and has a has a role to play in it mm-hmm. and uh you know the uh you know the usual paul paul coslow is a fabulous bad guy right, right and right. uh you know he was he was German. He was a, he was born it, in Germany. He was a German guy. It, it must be spectacularly interesting to be like, we need that bad guy. You know that guy that was in that movie, and then your agent just reaches out to you and say they need that bad guy again. You know what I yeah. mean? And right. you're that bad guy that comes rolling in. You're, it's like a you just see they got a, like a, a village full of Western bad guys. And whenever they need one, they just yeah. send a bus down there and pick right. up a bunch of right. them. Right, there's, there's several of them you can name, you know. Uh, <laughs> Western bad guys. Oh, God, they're in the 60s and stuff. Uh, there were uh, oh a, a stable of those guys that played yeah, ugly men, you know. Yeah. But uh, so Paul Coslow was in it. James Gammon was in that thing, and uh, James Gammon was Smoke Parnell. Now James Gammon was a he was in a bunch of movies, bunch of westerns, and uh, you know kind of a B list guy, but very good in all those roles. Uh, who else was in Conagher? Was, was your was your buddy so the good. Wrangler that you liked real well? Was he in there? The one that started out life as a Wrangler and then became a Ben Johnson? No, he was not in Conagher. Ben Johnson was. He was not in. He was not in Conagher. Uh, he was. Uh, he was in the the one we're going to talk about in relation to Conagher, the Sackets. Yes. Which is another Sam Elliott uh, vehicle, uh, but in in Conagher. Uh, 
Oh, they had. Uh, oh, there's probably a bunch of people in that thing that you've never seen, but uh, that are just really, really uh, good in these roles. And I, I, as I've mentioned, it is my favorite movie to watch over and over, as far as is Western's it? concerned. I, right. Yeah, I just, I just love it. Never get tired of it. Well, it's got it's got themes that you can uh, aspire to. Maybe. Right. Would be the word. I think Maybe you, not. I think you do. I think that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. Conagher is a good man. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and uh, he is. Uh, he puts up with no shit. No. And uh, but he's a good man. And if that's not a role model for 2021, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, and along about the same time. <clears throat> well, prior to that, no, actually, prior to that was the was the film that was made for Turner in in two parts. So actually, uh, being perfectly, uh, uh, you know, sticking with our definition of a movie, it's not really a movie. It was a two part thing that was filmed for Turner. It was called The Sackets, and it was made out of two Are Louis Lamore sure books. Are you uh, sure that was Turner? Yeah, Sackets was Turner. was Turner. Yeah, it was. You sure it was Turner? Okay, was, I thought it was, it might, it was Turner. Oh, okay. It was Turner, and it was uh, it was uh, directed by Robert Totten, and uh, it was it appeared on Turner on two separate nights. So it was a, uh, you know, it ends up being about three hours long, and uh, it was uh, it was Tom Selleck's. The Sackets was made, well. Sackets is made out of two books: the Sackets and the Daybreakers of Louis L'Amour, and they uh, they uh, were pretty true to the script. I've read both of those books because of the because of the movie, and they were, you know, it's hard to get everything in, but that they they were pretty pretty true to the the stories, and a lot of the lines in the movie are verbatim from the from the books. Yeah, because well, Louis, Louis Lamore's writing his, his a script, not a story, you know. Yeah, Louis Lamore's books were tight, right? Yes. He only had a couple that kind of blew up out of the water, and I, that was later on in life. But the, his early books were very tight. They were yes. very tight read. They got a lot done with a few words, right? Yeah, hundred and fifty page story, and it, yeah. like a novella, really not not a, not not so much a novel, but the because he was very very good at telling a story without going on and on and on he, he was the opposite of iron rand okay so yes he didn't have to beat you to death so he right. he rem, he described a, one of the characters he was describing was a woman that Orrin was going to have trouble with eventually and he said that that she looked like a mean roan that they had when he was a kid some right. little so he described everything we need right. to know about this lady a might narrow between the eyes. A might narrow between the eyes. That's exactly right. That's what, that's oh. what the, uh, Tyrell told him, I believe. So you got three brothers. You got Tell Sackett, you got Tyrell Sackett, you got Orrin Sackett. Now, the three brothers are played by... Uh, Orrin is, is played by Tom Selleck. Right. Uh Tyrell is played by a guy by the name of Jeff Osterhage that did a fabulous job in that movie in the Shadow Riders and kind of just got out of the business, I guess. Sure. 
And then uh, Tell Sackett was Sam Elliott. Yes. And so Tell, Tell and Tyrell is, are the most are the meanest and the best. But Oren is more of a talker. He, he's he, he's, and he's very, out. very competent at everything he does. Yeah. He's very competent. So so uh, they that the, the guy that played uh, Tyrell in the books, you always got the feeling that Tyrell was the most was the most dangerous of all of them. That was the one that you you ended up getting that Tyrell was the most dangerous ball. Right, Tyrell but, was but, good with his pistol. Yes, he, was very he proves that over and over and over. The showdown with Tom Sunday. Yes, yes. Played by Glenn Ford. Oh God, it's a genius. It was a genius, right? Oh, a genius. When Glenn Ford. That was a genius shot. piece of casting, is what that was. And, and Glenn Ford sitting there wondering, what the hell happened? Like, how did this happen? Genius. Right. How did I go from being their friend and their mentor and to where I'm had to bleeding to death right now on the ground? What did I do wrong? Yes, right. You know, yeah. But it's, uh, uh, you know, it was that 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 movie is just so is so damn good. That was, you know, I found it interesting that to to learn about that movie that that was Tom Selleck's first job horseback. Right. He auditioned oh, yeah. for that, and. Uh, and he this, told him, he says, I'm, he goes, I've never ridden before, but I'm very athletic. And, and I I'll can learn. On. Yeah, I can learn. And I can learn. And he did. And he <laughs> yeah. was so natural by the time they got through with him. It's just that's just, you know. And yes. is there a more, you know, there's certain people that are iconic Western film actors. And, and Tom Selleck is obviously one of them and made yes. lots and lots of movies. But but his first horseback film was this movie uh, called the the Sackets and you, yeah. you you people need to watch if you're into westerns you hadn't seen the Sackets oh you know I, I'm gonna call it a movie because what the hell you know you need to you need to see it yes. um, and then now I watched uh, I watched this last night because I thought you know it's been a while since i've seen this and we're going to talk about it today and this this movie is a is an important it's important in a couple of different ways the shootest was john wayne's last movie now i watched the shootest again last night the shootest is john wayne and lauren bacall and several other people and it's uh, it was filmed, and when it was in production, uh, the plot is is this is an old gunfighter who has a cancer and is dying. Right. And he decides that he's not going to he's going to die on his terms and nobody else's terms. Right. And he does. Now this which is, was the advice of his doctor, Jimmy Stewart. That's right, Jimmy Stewart's in this thing. This thing is full of classic people you know this is a 76 model film i believe and it's uh uh it was it was at the end of john wayne's career he's an old man he has cancer he has lung cancer he's done during the shooting of the actor has lung cancer during the shooting of a movie about a man who's dying of abdominal cancer yes he's done and uh it is uh you know, John Wayne can be, you know, he's, there are a lot, a lot of films he did where he's like Jack Nicholson. He's playing John Wayne, not the role. Sure. But this is not one of them. 
This no. is not one of them. This was an extremely well done, well done movie. It's 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 probably respected as his best film. Yeah, and, that and Liberty Valance probably. Liberty Valance is close. It's hard. It depends on who you're asking and what they're looking for in the movie. Right. The I haven't seen Liberty Valance in a long. Man who shot Liberty Valance. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. It's not a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's very well done. But it's not fun. He, uh, he he. So the thing with John Wayne is, is that eventually it became very easy to to make fun of John Wayne as an actor because everybody wanted to see John Wayne on the screen. But when mm-hmm. you see him perform in the shootest. Or you see him perform in the man who shot Liberty Valance, you know, what, you know what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy that was a, a serious, serious about his craft, serious about what he did, and from all reports, a legitimately pretty capable guy himself, right? Well, uh, you know, you watch him ride, and he's been horseback a lot. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent rider, and I mean, but he rode in films for 40 years. I mean, sure, sure. You know, uh, the guy was. Uh, you know, he was a three-pack-a-day smoker, so it's not shocking that he would die of lung cancer. But, uh, you know, and, and the primary reason I, I wanted to put the shootist in here is because John Wayne, Yes. to many, many people all over the planet, John Wayne is the Western, and John Wayne is America. And for 50 years... He was, yes. you know, the icon of the United States, and in in terms of our perception, uh, the world's perception of us. Yes. Uh, yes. Now, <laughs> our, our, the perception of us is like Megan Rapinoe, I guess. I I don't, I don't you know, know. I, we've we've gone, we slid way downhill, but uh, John Wayne was important. He was important in, in 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 American entertainment and in this uh, archetype that he uh, successfully portrayed. Uh, and yeah, the his, shootist his, was the the reason I like the shootist is because I think in that film he transcended his own archetype and he became a dying old gunfighter who was still capable even though he was approaching death and yeah he's a dying old man and he his his uh in in real life he knew he wasn't a fool right he knew he was gone he knew yeah. he wasn't gonna make it so so decide to to decide to make a movie about a dying old cowboy when you are a dying old cowboy represent when you are the representative old cowboy right right to make that movie is pretty powerful. Yes. I'm not sure. Yes. I, I haven't read any of his biographies or anything. I don't know his motivations behind it. But to make that decision to uh, to make a movie like that is pretty powerful. Right? Have, you were in this business after John Wayne had, had, had yes. passed away and never yes. had the chance to meet him. But I'm sure never you've never. heard from crew people about john wayne what is what have you heard about the guy I'm, my impression so he, of the guy was that he was just a stand-up man he that was my impression from what i heard right so so people that were around those those guys uh, the old timers the 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 stunt people like to talk about stuff that makes them happy that you'll bump into crew members sometimes um 
you'll see um, there's one particular uh, director that's still living, and he would bring on all these aging actors and stunt guys to do things like be production assistants on a movie set because they were too old to do anything else, but he wanted to keep them around. So, so when you talk to guys like that, their perception of John Wayne was he was a, a decent hangout, have a drink guy that you would enjoy their company. Right. And that he didn't, he didn't, he didn't beat anybody up on set. He had a few things like he wouldn't, he didn't want anybody to see him in any sort of weakness. So if, if somebody saw him in a moment of weakness, like if he couldn't manage a horse or he, or he had to get oxygen, like when he was making, um, he was making the movie, uh, sons of Katie elder. He had to, he was, he had, he was battling cancer then too. He had to take oxygen off to the side and he didn't want anybody to see that. Do you know what I right. mean? Right. But, uh, all the reports I got is that he's the kind of guy you would enjoy being around. That right. you would you would enjoy being around him. Well, he he always he certainly made uh, a great ambassador for uh, the United States, and I think he's probably okay. as far as Hollywood has generated an ambassador for the United States. Nobody even approaches his stature in that respect. No, nobody would be welcomed like. I mean, yeah. Uh, he was a, he was one of a kind, right? Right, right, right. So, yeah, John Wayne is just a, you know, and he he made a lot of movies that weren't westerns. He, you know, he was in Green Berets and and all kinds of vehicles over the years. He started off as a, you know, in these B movies back in the '30s and uh, uh, was a handsome young guy and. Uh, uh, just his career progressed over. Hell, he it's, may have worked for fifty years. I don't know, but he he was. He, it's a it's a har it's a horribly unfair thing for the whole world to be able to watch you age and progress through life based on your movies, right? So mm -hmm. you watch a movie with a actress or an actor that you like, and you watch it and you watch it now, and it's fifteen years old, and then you see that person, and you've seen them age fifteen years in the blink of an eye. So, right. uh, it, it can be a little—I don't know if unfair is the right word. I'm not sure what it is. A little right. too realistic, maybe. A little too real. Maybe. Yeah, that's why I can't watch my early videos from the two thousand aughts. Just I don't want to see. It. I've got too much hair back then. Do you? Yeah, way, way more hair than I need, you know. Well, I'm I've been fortunate. I've made it. I've made it to this late age with a full head of hair, so I've been very yeah, fortunate. I've, I've always noticed that about you, fine, yeah, fine head of hair. Uh, so I mean, the the actors that keep showing up in in uh, in Western movies are, you know, an, a Western actor, a famous Western actor makes the movie if you can cast tom Selleck in Marty walsh then you know you're gonna be all right i know lee marvin played it you know yeah. the, at first but but Selleck's version of that is just i haven't you know, seen lee marvin's version i gotta watch that one uh, i read that it was more uh, that he was a, a, a more uh, brutal character which makes sense because Monty Walsh and the Tom Selleck's version, he was not, you know, no. he, so, so with somebody like Tom Selleck, they, they're as an actor, what, one of the things they do is that you buy into who they want you to see. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, as a person that enjoys their watching them, enjoys their craft, you want that person to be who you want them to be, right? right? So you buy into this guy, and you say because right, you've this got a, because good. you've developed a relationship with the actor in this type of a role, yes. right? So yep. you go you go from uh, Tom Selleck in the Sackets to Tom Selleck in the Shadow Riders to Tom Selleck in uh, Quigley Down Under. Quigley Down Under, right? You know, it's it's a fabulous film. I mean, that guy's just you know, how do you do a better job? They couldn't possibly have cast that that movie. They couldn't cast that character any better than Tom Selleck. And when he's working that when he's working that rifle. And he describes what load he's going to need to make the bullets, and he's and he's and he's working the rolling block, and he's doing all the things that he does, and all the, the accoutrements and all the gear he's wearing. There's just nobody that can wear that and do that better, right? right? Nobody there's looks nobody as good dressed pull. up like a cowboy as Tom Selleck yes. did 30 years ago. Nobody. Yeah, nobody can play that role and convince you that this character is real, right? Or real as according to the. Right to the premise of the movie, right? Right. You got to buy into the movie first before you can. You got to buy into the world that they've created in that movie. Mm-hmm. You got to buy into that world, and then he's got to sell you on that he belongs in the part of that world. Right. Right, and you know, standing beside Tom Selleck at at, at this level of Western performance is 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 Sam Elliott. Now, there are going to be people, and I probably am one of them that say that the best western actor that ever lived was sam elliott uh i just i just love i'm gay for the man he's just absolutely amazing in every western role i've ever seen him in as tell sackett oh my god that was what an amazing job he did with that character he sells you on the character oh he does absolutely sells you on the character without a doubt um you buy into his characters but of course with the stuff that i've seen him in you buy into all of his characters right yeah you want you watch you watch roadhouse and and with roadhouse even though that world in roadhouse you buy into that character that sam elliott creates yeah that's who he is yeah he's just he's just a he's just he's a brilliant actor it's you know it's unfortunate that everybody associates him with one type of role but he could probably play king lear you know, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, the the guy's just a genius. And uh, what what movie was he in? Science fiction movie where he was the general, and his daughter was, uh, you know, what the hell was that? I can't think of it. Was that much. was that the Incredible? That first Hulk movie. He was. Maybe he that was the first Hulk he was, movie. He was. He was. Uh, he was Bruce. Uh, he was uh, General Ross, right? Am I thinking right? Do uh, yeah. I get geek credit for that? General Ross was the one chasing the Hulk. Is that accurate? I think that's probably what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. I'm and, not sure. Uh, and the, the general's daughter had a relationship with Bruce Banner or something like that, and it was uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was in that, and uh, he was good in that. Yeah. He was gonna. I would rather see him as a cowboy but but the man is a hell of an actor and uh you know while we're talking about western actors i think it would be uh we would be remiss if we didn't mention the the great ben johnson 
He's got yeah. yeah. He's got some good scenes. He's a he's he's, he's got the chops, man. The guy was good started off too, right? in he started off in movies as as one of the crew running the horses. Yep, showing up to deliver a bunch of horses. Right. Yep. And they liked the way he looked, so they cast him, and he had a natural talent for this. And he's been in so damn many what good good movies of all descriptions that. Uh, if you've if you've seen him in uh, the last picture show, I watched that the other day. It's is, a sad movie. It, oh it's yeah, it's, it's it's a terribly sad movie, but yeah. it's a very important he, film. Our local uh, Larry McMurtry wrote that book, and uh, Larry died about seven or eight months ago. I think he's did he just, really? Yeah, he lived in Archer City, mm. and uh, he was uh, he was an amazing. An amazing storyteller. You know, I think you could probably say that he was. I I, w- I regard him as a better storyteller than Louis L'Amour. Which yeah, is, the, it's but yeah. If you've if you've read any of his stuff, he's I've, just, I've read a, I've read a bunch of Larry McMurtry. I think the the reason that I appreciate Louis L'Amour most is I get the feeling with McMurtry that he's you know, writing as he goes. Well. Whenever an author goes, that's, that's the impression in a I different get. Direction, yeah. Whenever an author goes in a different direction, then I want that character to go. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from the talent. It doesn't mean the story is not a good story. It just means it went a different direction. I didn't want to go right. Right. So right. when I watch Lonesome Dove, <clears throat> I don't want to see Gus go down. Right. right. And so, we got to talk about Lonesome Dove. That deserves its own discussion. But but back to Ben Johnson. Uh, yeah, Ben Johnson was uh, was an important uh, important part of the Sackets. If you want to see him do his best work, as far as I'm concerned, in a western, you need to look at the Sackets because he's uh, Cap Roundtree in the Sackets. Cap Roundtree in the Sackets. He's also uh, the character that's only known as Mister in uh, Bite the Bullet. Right. And since that movie is such a horse focused movie. And his start was delivering horses. I think it's probably a pretty important. He was he was a horseman. He yeah, owned a guy. big place up in from if I remember correctly up in Oklahoma and and was a, was a horseman. Yeah, you know he yeah. was not play acting horseback. And mm-hmm. if you will look, in fact, if you'll look at the sackets <clears throat> and watch what Totten, the director Robert Totten, did with his camera in the sackets you'll see a lot of focus on ben johnson's hands when he's sitting horseback with with, with the reins in his hands you'll see a lot of focus on that and you'll it's uh you know that that bob totten would think you know that's that that adds here to the to the to, and he, uh, you'll see a tight shot of his hands resting on the saddle horn with his reins in his left hand and with his thumb messing with the leather. So a guy that it's, knows horses like you yeah. do, you see that and yes. you appreciate that detail, yes. and it sets the it sets the stage for that character. Right. All of a sudden, Absolutely. you know this guy knows what the fuck he's up to. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Ben Johnson knows what he's up to, and Bob yeah. Totten knew what he was up to. Yeah. And uh, that was a that was a great that 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 I can't say enough about the fucking Sackets. It's just it's also one of my favorite movies. I probably watch yeah. that almost as often as I watch Conagher. Did so, were you able to find it anywhere in high def? Did you find it in high def anywhere? Sackets. No, no. I, all I've got is that on a. I've got it on DVD. Yeah, it's a, it's, find a, that it's an old DVD. It's in two parts. I got it's on two discs, and I don't know if it's been released in high def. Nobody likes it you, but watching, me, you know. Watching so. these, if you watch some of these old movies and you get an opportunity to see them in high def on a big screen, because some of these movies I hadn't seen, you know ever at the on the in the theater and right. always before on a small small regular tv so it, it adds a level to the to the movies that right. you can really appreciate yeah if you've got a, a 4k screen and a and a high def player there's stuff that you want you'll notice things you haven't noticed before right. absolutely and as far as uh actors are concerned clint eastwood we've already talked about clint eastwood but uh what was that tv show that he started off in back in the 50s uh rawhide he was in rawhide, rawhide. Yeah, rawhide. and uh, he was a kid how hard is that to think that that was in the 50s how hard is that to think? yeah it's just uh, it's distasteful right yeah it really is uh, um, he was he was in about, rawhide he was rowdy what was the hell of his name rowdy gates gates, gates i gates. think was his name gates. Who, yeah. who's the character that was in uh, our man Flint. He was in uh, the Magnificent Seven. He was the knife guy. Uh, James Coburn. Guy. Oh, yes, Blonde genius hair. actor. But Coburn was a yeah. He was a genius, slim, right? deadly looking man, wasn't he? Yes, he was a tough guy. <laughs> he was a deadly looking man, and yeah. yeah, he was in Magnificent. He was in so many, so many good movies. He was James Coburn was was a uh, uh, an iconic western. And, and every every time you watch him, you say this guy's really enjoying himself. Whatever the hell he's doing, he's really enjoying yeah. himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was into the role. And then Glenn Ford. Yes, Glenn Ford was. He was. God, people nowadays, you know, I think during back in the sixties and seventies, Glenn Ford was appreciated for the acting genius that he was. If you yeah, want to sure. see him, it do some of his best work. Once again, the Sackets is what you want to see. And uh, he was Tom Sunday in the Sackets. Uh, you know, excellent Louis L'Amour written character. And uh, Glenn Ford just is a genius in playing that role. He was, a, he was so good. He's so yeah, good. He turns in from a, from a respected, you know, trail boss. He was previously an attorney. He's very well educated. He's yeah. a trail yeah. boss, and these guys get hired on by him to. to Got to, wrapped up with the wrong woman. Had to go out west. Had to go right. out west, like a lot of people did. No west to go to now, I guess. Huh? <laughs> but you, right. you, you see him from a competent trail boss, and he was a good horseman as well. And. Uh, uh, they, uh, you know, they drift from from the plains into Santa Fe, and you know, or Mora. What I don't can't remember the, the setting of that thing. The last it seemed like it was. Yeah, they always had a, Santa Fe, but it was Mexico. 
flavor to them yeah and they uh they had a uh, uh he he got out of favor politically with uh, the character played by john vernon and uh you know turned into a disheveled old drunk kept his gun clean won't <clears throat> you clean yourself his... up tom clean but yourself he... up tom yeah my well my gun's clean and that's the only thing that matters yeah Tyrell. That's right. <laughs> yeah clean it's a... up, tom. yeah it was a... that's a he was he was really good in that film yeah i, I can't recommend it enough uh we're probably going to cause a run on amazon people trying to buy the damn thing well that's hopefully good hopefully yeah. hopefully i watch it hey you want to see this cold i got laying here yeah i'll show you mine if you'll show me yours hell yeah i've been <laughs> <out> my whole life <laughs> yeah look at this this is this is a colt first generation single action army it's the artillery model it's got a five and a half inch barrel it's in 3840 caliber 3840 there's an old antique caliber you never hear about anymore 3840 look it's a neck down the, round the good thing the, about that caliber is it's expensive hard to find mm -hmm. it's got a neck down case so it's hard to reload so it makes it perfect almost it's almost perfect uh, so it's got the ivory grips that were uh, probably made um, in asia uh, hold that up a little they, higher so we can see the whole Look at the carving on this on this thing. This is just absolutely beautiful. It's a dragon. It's a dragon on it, and it's on the it's on the side for a right-handed shooter, so it's a palm swell. So the idea is, is it fills that space in your palm. They call mm -hmm. that a palm swell. Very well thought about. So if a gentleman had two of these, he would have one on this with side. With that scale have, on one side, and then with that scale on the other side. Yeah. Well, so the way you way you operate this thing is is uh, there's two things you want to always remember. Number one, first click is a half cock, which is not good for much. The second click is where you rotate the cylinder. So right. you would load one, skip one, load four, and then always bring it back to full cock, all the way back to full cock, so you don't mess up that paw in there. And then you lower the hammer. All the way back chain. down, and then put it back at half cock for safety. Uh, no, because it's resting on a empty chamber right now. Oh, oh, so oh! I see. Okay, that's why you. That's why you skip the round. Okay. Yeah, load one, skip one, load four. I've yeah. got six in mine, and if you can see this, uh, I am at. Uh, I'm in the safety position. There is what I'd called half cock that, that allows the cylinder to spin. That's where you. The loading gate opens. Yeah, yeah. This is in forty-five Colt. Forty-five Colt. And quite possibly the thing, best round. When you get through been. with it, you then I put it back right there. So if I bump the hammer, accidentally I'm not bumping the firing pin on a on a round in the chamber. But this is a this is a I've loved this gun. I've had this thing for a long time. It is a Uberti copy of the eighteen seventy three cattlemen so to and to be to be really clear on the single action army unless it's got a transfer bar in it like one of the newer rugers newer yeah. being like 50 years or something but unless it's got a transfer bar the, the the best way to carry a single action is on an empty chamber right 
probably that is because I guess that, if you hit that hard enough, yes, you might make contact with the pin. Yes, that's right. absolutely correct. No, that's that's so, a good point. So the the single action armies there they they are often referred to as a two finger grip, right? So you see it's a mm-hmm. two finger grip, and then third your your little hand you got a right. big hand, so your hand comes on the bottom of it, right? But I'm, it, I'm basically holding on to it with middle finger and yeah. ring finger. Yeah. So, and, so, so they had three generations of these, and the second generation came about because of the westerns that hit TV, and that that's what brought that gun back to life. Right. They were canceled, and they weren't they weren't <laughs> going to make them any. Another. And, uh, have you noticed that your shoots low? Low would be too high of a front sight. So the way right. that you. I don't yeah. use the, so the front that, sight, so, so I the, just the way that you would fix that would be take a little bit off of that front sight, depending on the load you carry. Like if you want to, depending on that gun, those Uberties are very well made. Oh yeah. So it, depending on depending on what load you're shooting, you can try a different loading, and that might bring it back to point of aim, point of impact. Well, but I, if the it's way, just I shooting, just point shoot this gun. Yeah. Yeah, and if I don't ever use the front blade. I just, I just. I just point you. I can, and once I've, once I've fired the first round and I've shot it low, I can still hit the pie plate, you know, at fifteen so, feet every time. But I've got to remind myself the damn thing's going to go into dirt. Not, not to be difficult, but if you're not using the sights, oh, I know, I know, low. we we you're too low. <laughs> we differ on on that. No, no, I'm not. I, don't, I can shoot. Hey, I can shoot my Glock without the sights and hit the thing 50 out of 50 times that's interesting because the glock it does set a little higher in your hand so it does it, it it's yeah. Yeah. you just point your finger with a glock and it goes it goes right to where you're pointing it and this thing's not yeah. like that so this is this thing stays in my desk and uh uh if i have to shoot somebody he's going to be standing in the doorway of the office and i'll probably hit him and you'll be you'll be fine it'll work i'll be out. fine yeah. it'll work just fine uh, so. the uh, this this gun's a, it's a it's it's a safe queen now because I haven't shot it in a while but I'm not afraid to shoot it I don't like having guns that I can't shoot when was that manufactured according to the Colt website where you can plug in the serial number mm-hmm. 1903 1903 so it is really a 120 year old gun so it's yeah but it's in good enough shape to fire, right? I wouldn't fire it's hot in, loads out of it, but cowboy action no. loads, you'd fire out of that all day. Yeah, I think so. And it's in beautiful I, condition, too. That is that is gorgeous. Yeah. That thing's yeah, I'm, probably worth quite a bit of money. Uh, Could be. Yeah, could but, be. But, but uh, when you, let me give you some advice. Don't try to steal it from John. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. So... uh anyway got we bored these people long enough man uh we've had a good time but i I have a good time talking about this stuff because it's just you know of all of the movies that i watch uh westerns and sword movies are my favorite or my favorite historical stuff and uh we're gonna do a sword movie show here pretty soon and uh, uh, we'll uh, maybe we'll talk. Maybe you and I'll talk about sword movies. Uh, 
Ridley Scott has done some really good historical pictures like that. Have you seen Kingdom of Heaven? I have not. Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut, the long one. It is. I've watched. That's one of those I've watched ten or fifteen times. I have. I watch it all the time. It's 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 really really good, really good. He Ridley Scott just doesn't do bad stuff, you know. He doesn't make a, bad films. He he just his, his movies are all vision, right? Yes. What the vision is? Yeah. What the vision? Is. And they're 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 all just perfect in terms yeah. of editing and shot placement, and photography, you know, character yeah. development. They're just you know it's hard to beat Ridley Scott. Uh, He'll work the shit out of his actors too. He does, in fact. Yeah. He does in fact. So, well, I guess we can leave it there. Uh, I want to thank John Musser for being with us today and lending his perspective on this on this topic to us. Uh, our Western movies. So these these are the ones you need to get: is Silverado, Tombstone, Wyatt Earp, Unforgiven, Conagher, The Sackets, and The Shootist. And let's not look. Let's not. There's a gaping hole here that we need to fill before we leave. Lonesome Dove is not a movie. It is a four-part miniseries, so we can't call it a movie. It's eight hours worth of material, so we can't call it a movie. But as far as Western stuff is concerned, I'd have to say that that's the best thing that's ever been put on film. But I don't want you guys to think that we left that out by virtue of the fact that we're stupid, okay? It's not a movie in the sense that, and we were talking about movies here, with the, you know, the exception of the, of, uh, the Sackets, which is, it functions as a movie, but the, the Lonesome Dove does not function as a movie. It's an epic, eight-hour-long experience, and... Uh, Simon Winsor directed that, the Australian guy. And it's, you know, look, anytime Robert Duvall plays a cowboy, you need to watch him. Right. Any, like, uh, for example, Open Range. We didn't mention Open Range, but Robert Duvall and Kevin Costner in Open Range are fabulous. Yes. Robert nice. Duvall playing a cowboy, you need to watch him. You need to stop what you're doing and watch the damn thing. But uh, yep. So I don't, I don't want anybody to think that we just ignored the fact that Lonesome Dove is there. So I threw that in. Anything and else to finish left up, out? Load one, skip <clears throat> one, load four, lower on empty chamber. Right. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Thank you, guys. For watching us today thank you john for being with us and we will see you next friday here at starting strength radio